0: This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening to this PowerCat podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode of the PowerCat podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast network. And if you enjoy this podcast please consider becoming a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. We cover the Wildcats like no one else with our VIP customers enjoying one-of-a-kind coverage from our team of professional journalists. And sign up today for an annual subscription to GPC and grab a 30% discount on your first year. And now here's the PowerCat podcast.
1: The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. Discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. And it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC Gig-Powered Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com
0: publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Podcast, the original one, the Questions Podcast, your Wednesday podcast from 24-7 Sports, their podcast network. It's your daily podcast fix from gopowercat.com. And I got good news for you. We had so many good questions for this week's Questions Podcast. We're doing a second one. I just think you deserve it. You've been good boys and girls. So tomorrow we'll have a second question. podcast where the pregame podcast normally sparked. And remember, rate and review the podcast. If you're on Apple, go ahead. Give us a review and hit the five stars so that other people can find us because that really helps us in search engines. You guys love these podcasts so much. We kind of feel like we're letting you down by not doing one every day. I feel bad now about the times we only did one once a week. I had no idea you guys were addicts. You should really tell someone. I know. You should get counseling. You can find that counseling with the podcast pull-down right there on the front page of, of com. We've got all kinds of counseling... People standing by, one is under questions, another is called overtime, one's pregame, postgame, sources, insiders, and if you're really troubled, click the drive and get that counseling. I am Tim Fitzgerald, that's Riley Gates, and Zach Carlson, our MC. he's here. He's ready to read your questions from Wild Bass Station, but first some business. We're sponsored by The Fridge. Man, The Fridge has got their Oktoberfest, October beers coming in. Riley, are you into October beers? Uh, yeah, I am. I love Oktoberfest. That's funny because you watched The Bachelor and Bachelorette, so I figured you'd be into like pumpkin spice stuff. It's all in the same category, is it not? Yeah, that's true. Get into the fridge, go ask them for their beer recommendations for October festing with your face and beer. I... the fridge no in Manhattan get there, fool. sure that's my new thing I'm just got foo to the end of their reads
2: I don't know if that's your thing I think that's more of a
0: it's been a thing I'm, I'm claiming <laughs> now you're adapting it you're, adapt, you're, I'm you're, it, you're adopting it yeah so uh, the segment sponsored by Tanner's our good friend Brian Hanley our post game analyst does some pre game analysis for us uh, he and his wife were in town Saturday they were actually in kansas city for the american royal barbecue thing and he's living his best life so go go eat a bunch of barbecue and then on saturday even though it's a road game come over and see manhattan again then when they got to manhattan they went to tanner's and watched the game so it was a great place to watch the game but then he came in here sat right here in the wtc gig pirate studios right where zach carlson's sitting right now magic Our top three podcasts now since we've joined Megaphone.fm as part of the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network are the postgame podcast, then the bonus breaking podcast I tacked on, and the pregame podcast of the Mississippi State game. All three Mississippi State-related. Hmm. You guys were apparently excited. I don't know why. But uh, if you're not a regular listener to the Power Cap podcast, go hit the subscribe button on whatever you're on. Apple Podcasts. Uh, I've started using, um, I can't remember what it is. I recommended it to someone. BoxCast. That's not right. CastBox. I use Spotify. Spotify is good. If you're a Spotify person, it's on there. But it's all over the place. Whatever your podcast service is, even if you just want to do Google Podcasts. There's no dedicated player on Google. It's pretty uh, Spartan, pretty stripped down. But it'll get you there, and it's all there. Look for the PowerCat Podcast. I'm trying to get it set up so you can ask your Alexa to play the PowerCat Podcast. She always ends up playing something weird. I'd say, Alexa, play the PowerCat Podcast on Stitcher. And she goes, here's your automobiles podcast. I'm like, what, what the hell just happened? She, it's not right. She's a very smart lady, too. I can. She turns on my lights. She turns on my fan. She she does a bunch of stuff in my house. She spies for the government on me, but I can't get her to play the Powercat podcast. We're working on it. I do have a serious question, though. If you are an Alexa user out there and you're a member of Wabash Station, give me some feedback. Do you use your news feed, your news updates on Alexa like I do? Alexa, start my morning, and she reads me my chosen feed. We have the capability of doing a Kansas State daily feed on there, but I'm not going to do it for three of you. (laughs) So we could actually offer uh, a Kansas State sports headlines feed on Alexa if we so chose to, which I think would be kind of cool. Why do I feel like that's going to fall into my lap? Why would it fall into your lap? I don't know. I'm just kidding. You do the rest of my job so I can podcast. (laughs) you got to focus on the rest of my job so I can podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, the headline here, uh, layoffs are coming at (laughs) gopowercat.com. Damn. Right. Riley knows he's safe. Knows he's safe because if I lay him off, then when, how am I going to get my job done? Then everybody gets laid off. <laughs> Here we go. Your questions from Wabash Station. And we appreciate your asking every week. Here's Zach.
3: Uh, before questions, I have failed to mention the previous score prediction thread winners. Zach so, literally said he would do, like, I, made a prize and then didn't give his prize. Yeah. So your shout outs, runaway train one, the Nichols game, get out more cat, one bowling green, and then hurt as Joe picked the correct score and picked it before Riley Gates picked this his score. This is, bu- I was, he was right on the money. at
0: 30 I was months. literally riding my pregame edge. I, you know what? I say we don't even put score predictions in there. In the pregame edge? No, you've got yours. I mean, I guess everyone can because you've got a place to put your score prediction. I've got a place to put my score prediction. So why gobble up the score that's inevitably going to be right because we're that smart?
2: I'm just so pissed because I, I literally went and put my score prediction in the thread after I wrote the pregame edge for the week in
3: which I did the score prediction. <laughs> I could have had it. I think Curtis Joe is the first person to post in the thread. Well, Because he picked the obvious score.
0: Piss. Riley copied him. I'm so pissed. <laughs> I'm so pissed. Good job, Hurdas. Way to not only get the score exactly right, but to steal thunder from Riley Gates. I hate you. I don't. I love you. I love you, Hurd.
3: First question is from a new person, KMJ Griffith, five yeah. one one two. Welcome. Was the heat and humidity as big of an issue as it was made out to be going into the game? Well, it was an issue. I will not. I will not
2: downplay that. It was hotter than hell, and it was humidier than hell. I told someone it was 100% humidity. I think that's accurate.
0: Were you swimming?
2: Uh, Yeah. Okay. But it's not like it—all right. It's not like K-State never seen something like that before. No, it's August. And- like, yes, did I get off the plane and go, ugh, gross. Yeah, I absolutely did that. But I also I didn't also get off the plane and go, oh, I've never felt this before.
0: Like it? How many times have you stepped outside of your own home in Kansas in the dead of summer and gone, oh, gross. I did that last week. <laughs> I know. Like, it was, yes, it was really hot. It was really humid.
2: I'm sure K-State struggled with it. But Mississippi State struggled with it, too. It sure did. Like, it, it was not a, a weather. And I know that the question was asked because College Game Day decided to make it a big deal. K-State's never seen heat humidity like this. Do you know where Kansas is? Do you know what it's like in Manhattan, Kansas? So yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was an issue at times, but it's not like it was something that was going to lose them the game.
0: I think that's the one thing when people move to Manhattan, and it, maybe it's the valley in which we sit, was surrounded by the water. They are shocked by the humidity, mm-hmm. the combination of heat and humidity. Like I was going to go out in the yard. This summer, um, and then I noticed, oh, it's not only in the 90s, but it's 70% humidity. I will pass on this. This is not it's the worst. Comfortable. I, I hate humidity. Like I'm just, I do. I know that's why. Uh, I mean, Vegas, it's 179 degrees, but it's zero humidity, and it feels like it's a hundred. It's a dry heat. Well, 100 is 100, all right? If it's triple digits, I want nothing to do with it. Well, but you add in humidity and it's a lot worse. There's no doubt about it.
3: The fact the game was played on grass helped a lot. If it was played on turf, the yeah. field temperature would have been probably 20 degrees hotter with the rubber in it. That's fair. Very good. I didn't think it was that bad down there, though. Okay. He had a breeze. Like, it was, like yeah, it was hot. It was humid, but I've honestly, there's been hotter games at K State than what that was.
0: Now, anyone who went to the Arrowhead game with Iowa way back when—I mean, people were. What about the North Dakota State game? Uh, that Iowa game from everyone who was there, nothing has matched it. Yeah, it was unbelievable.
3: From Purple Powerhouse, did we win because of sheer willpower and executing when it mattered, or did we win simply because Mississippi State isn't very good? It could be Can both. I say
2: both? Yeah. yeah. I, look. K-State K- played a damn good game and that was a good SEC team that they beat. They're they're a good
0: team they'll probably be in a bull game. Well you can't downplay the fact that they have recruited at a high level they have exceptional athletes on their team
2: but they didn't beat Alabama. They did not beat Auburn. They did not beat LSU right. They beat a low tier in the SEC West, middle to low tier in the SEC and that and honestly that's a team that's probably going to go 7 and 5 at best this year in the in the SEC. It's a good team, don't get me wrong, and I think it it'll go a long way for K-State when the season's over and you look back and you say wow, you know, they beat an SEC team on the road. That that's going to carry a lot of weight in case they play good football, but Again, they didn't beat a they didn't beat one of the conference's best teams. Is what I'm
0: trying to say. They have Abilene Christian in November because the SEC has that ridiculous schedule. So if they go four and four in the SEC, that's a seven and five team. That's average. That's you know they should be playing nine conference games like a real conference. But they're chicken. You know what? In the SEC, and they got to schedule those ridiculous November games against no name opponents uh, to make themselves feel better. Yeah, they're they're a good team. Are they a great team? No. K-State didn't roll in to Alabama and win. But, folks, a brand-new program going on the road in what is known as a difficult environment in which to play and winning despite their errors is good. Don't try to spin it into anything else other than, yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a positive step. Like I said on the post-game podcast, I take – Now I can look at it and say, those mistakes they made, and they won, that's a positive. They didn't come out of there with, man, we made a lot of mistakes, we killed ourselves, and we lost. They found a way to win, and you know, they can play a hell of a lot better. So I'm optimistic about it even if Mississippi State bottoms out because I can sit here and make the argument that maybe they bottomed out because they lost to K-State and it just the program's soft and that's all it took to break them. That that program could use a competent quarterback. That's exactly right. They're already to They're ready to fire Joe Moorhead down there because (laughs) he's now getting to play his quarterbacks, and look what we got. Well, one guy's hurt, and the other guy's a freshman, so maybe a little bit more rope. But, you know, I I think the problem isn't that Joe Moorhead's now playing his quarterbacks. It's that K-State absolutely kicked your butt in the trenches. I, you should be talking about that. You got pushed around by a team one year ago. You pushed around. And I'm not just talking that great defensive line pushing around a good offensive line for K-State. You won the other direction, too. Your offensive line last year at Mississippi State pushed around essentially the exact same front four that K-State took to Starkville and did damage with. So let that rest on you, that uh You've taken a step backwards, or Kansas State has taken such an amazing leap forward in their ability to dominate the defensive line at the point of attack, or offensive line at the point of attack, depending on which way you look at it. From
3: Pain Train 95 I watched this past weekend and can't help but notice an overall difference in the physical difference in this team at every position. Am I alone in this belief?
0: A tough question. There's not a huge physical difference in some of the guys. Skyler... Well, Skyler is bigger. Skylar is, they had a very good offseason. Uh, and I, you know, normally go, hey, that new strength coach is really amazing. It's the same strength coach. So I think he's taking a different approach. You know, the coach wants him, the head coach, Chris Kleiman, wants him to do some things differently. We know that the offensive linemen are leaner with weight. I just think they, they look more motivated. They look like they're getting after it. But Trey Deshaun is essentially the same size he was. Reggie Walker's the same size that he was. The
2: only one I've really seen any obvious physical changes is, I think, Jordan Mitty's a little bit bigger. But yeah. that's not considerably bigger. Um, Eli Sullivan's put on some weight, I guess, if you think about it. But, no, I, I don't look at these guys and think, like... Wow, they are just miles ahead of of where they were a year ago. They just feel different, and I think a lot of that is, like you said, the kind of the mindset or the uh, uh, new motivation that they have. So I don't. It it does look different, though. You're not crazy for thinking that they look stronger, they look faster. That it's just I, I just don't notice that they're physically
0: actually any different. Plus, you don't notice they're wearing three inch lifts. <laughs> it's kind of a thing they're doing. That's fair. The lift cleats. That, that's fair. That's fair.
3: Next question is from another new person. Yeah. Third Gen Wildcat. Welcome to the podcast. Which is more impressive from this coaching staff, the physical slash skill coaching or the mental slash emotional coaching?
0: Mm, that's a great question. I don't know the answer. <laughs> wow. I think I'm most impressed with the mental transformation. I mean, I because I saw the... I saw the systems at North Dakota State. I watched them. I studied them. You know, we had them broken down on the website. I knew what they wanted to run. Now, maybe I didn't think they'd be running it at this level so quickly, but they are, and it was—that's more tangible. I can can look at that and say, okay, I see how this applies to Kansas State. But to walk in and reestablish a different culture, not anything— Don't take this that something was wrong with the previous culture. But it is a different culture. It's a different way. It's a different approach. The coaches treat the players differently. And it's all worked. It's all clicked immediately. Yeah, I think it's that. I think it's the culture. They are bought in. It feels like this climbing program has been in place in the Veneer Complex for two years. That. Guys have been coming up through it, and now they're teaching the young guys what the culture's about. They got their leaders to buy in so quickly, and everyone else followed. It's really amazing. And I and then
2: just the the emotional part of it, kind of. I mean, you touched on it there, but just it feels like after every game, the players just have this big testament to give as to what these coaches have done for them. You know, Skylar does it a lot, but other players do too. And you know, they're they're having fun. Um, and I don't think we can ever emphasize enough just how impactful that is that that they're actually just enjoying themselves and, and football feels like football again, not like work or a job or anything like that. And I think that that's going a long way right now.
3: Last question of the first half is from K Was the James Gilbert third down run to set up the Brown touchdown to go up ten the run that moved him
0: to the committee chairman? Amazing. Yeah, it was. <laughs> may have been the <laughs> may have been one of the best runs I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, he said it was his best run so far this season. Duh, but he's had
2: some good runs. Um, he sh- there's no reason he shouldn't have that he should
0: have gotten past the line of scrimmage. No, there's no reason. Hey, he said at uh, Tuesday's press conference when the play call came in on third and five and they were running the ball, they were like he was like, "What are they doing?" <laughs> and then he gets hit behind the line of scrimmage and he said, "I'm thinking I can't go down. Coach called a running play. I got to make something happen." I love James Gilbert. He's I a know. great kid. He, he really was, is. He really is. He's been a good fit. Coach Climens talked about it. He settled right in and fit. Yeah, it was it was enormous, and that's kind of a a look at the new determination this team has. Not that the old team didn't, but it's just something different about what's going on. I I think that it
2: if he wasn't already the the guy the go to running back, I think that probably established that. But I think they were there. I think they've carved out what they want to do with the running back and and that's you know take that first quarter go one two three down the list we're kind of seeing that you know whether it's harry trotter goes second or jordan brown goes second they're going in that order and then the second quarter kind of goes to starts to drift away from it a little bit but you still kind of go back and forth but by the by the second half you're kind of consistently staying with one guy at least that's what it feels like that's that's what it appears to be in in most situations and, and I think that they have identified James Gilbert as that guy, you know. Um, I don't know if it goes down to just the fact that he's been in the system the longest. I mean, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it, but he's also proven himself better than any other two have on their runs. And that's not to say the other two have been bad. They've been really good this season. But what James Gilbert brings to the field is is significantly more, I think. And, uh, and we're seeing him... We're seeing him emerge as a top option, but we're not going to see him separate himself as the guy and the other two just sit on the bench.
0: Well, let me add this, and we've talked about it in the postgame podcast, that I think Gilbert got so many carries and was on the field so much because they're the most comfortable with him in pass protect, and they really needed that. Um, And he did a great job. Every time I looked up and he had a pass protect, he was keeping a guy off Skyler. And you don't want to go get your quarterback banged up So uh, I think in some ways that was almost Snyder-like, you know, okay, we're going to play this guy just for something that's secondary to his normal job, but he does it exceptionally well. It just happens he's also a good running back. I think as a pure running back, Jordan Brown's probably my guy, but James Gilbert is a fighter and he does a lot of things and and his teammates love him. Uh, You know, he knows the system really well for a newcomer basically learned it at the same time everyone else did. So it's working out really well. He's fit in. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and we'll be back on the other side with more of your questions from Wabash Station. Stay locked in. The Powercat Podcast will be right back.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. We now send it back to Fitz in the
0: WTC Gig-Powered Studios. Welcome back to the Powercat Questions Podcast, your first of two this week from Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Kevin, you're getting a bonus podcast. You're getting more for your money. But that'll be Thursday. This is Wednesday, your normal slot for the Questions Podcast. It's an off week at Kansas State. I thought we'd slide an extra podcast in there. It's not the an next one, though, Zach. It's kind of like the, the right number but a different type. It's like if you usually have uh, hot dogs on Wednesday and then, like, pizza on Thursday, if you had don't have pizza on Thursday, you have hot dogs again on Thursday, is that extra hot dogs? or Or the same amount of food? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> God, I got lost on my own metaphor. Uh. <laughs> this is the Power Cat Questions podcast. We're sponsored by The Fridge. When you're in town, get to The Fridge. Say hi. Say you listen to The Power Cat Podcast. And then buy lots of stuff. It's so weird. You can buy chips there now. It's very strange. The new Kansas liquor laws have changed. And you can actually go to The Fridge and get your lemons and limes in your mix. Along with the good stuff. The Fridge. At the corner of this and that. And the town in which we live. By the way, I'm Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates is over here, Zach Carlson's over there. One more thing. We're sponsored in the second half by the high low. Where we're gonna eat lunch. I hope so. Yeah, we're Seth, get ready. This podcast will go up shortly before we arrive at your establishment. Get the pie ready. We'll be there five minutes after I post, so you gotta listen to the whole thing like and sped up and whatever. Go to the high-low. We love it. We've been on a different schedule with work because of the games. There's no game. We're recording midday. We're going to the high-low, and we're fired up. And you'd be fired up, too, if you got to do it. Now, here's your questions from Alvarez Station.
3: First question of the second half from ContraCat. We have joked about how Snyder would bury players that made in-game errors, which we all observed. Kleiman appears to be a little more lenient in terms of acting immediately on that front. Is this real, or is this imagined?
0: No, it's real. It's real. What I find curious, though, is will it be sustained in like three or four years? I almost sense a real effort to change the way they're handled. Because, honestly, I know that the players talk to them about some of the ways they were disciplined in the past. For example, if there was a funeral and they had to miss a weightlifting session, they didn't had just have to make up the weightlifting session, they also had to handle a PI, which is a personal infraction. So it was an infraction to miss a weightlifting system session for a funeral. So I think he's, he's looking at this like you got a funeral, go, go to the funeral, make it up when you get back. I mean, you know, it's those kind of things. It's, I think he's being very conscientious to, to conduct things in a little bit less severe way that might fit this group better, but down the road, you know, maybe you know we'll see him pull a guy off the field for that kind of mistake. But he's very calculated, Riley, and how he says things in a post-game press conference.
2: Yeah, but I mean, and I'll I'll toss this out here, and and this is probably going to upset some people or make people think that you know this is a quote unquote soft culture. What good does it do? Honestly, think back to that TCU game a year ago, which was the one where Coach Snyder for lack of a better term threw Isaiah Zuber straight up under the bus and ran him over with the bus <laughs> what good does it do to do that isaiah already felt bad he already knew what it cost the team he's already going to go about making up for it somehow you know it doesn't do a whole lot of good to sit here and harp on it and and to blame kids to get after him and so i'm not saying you shouldn't yell at kids you know punish them maybe you know hey we have this rule or whatever, you know, you have a turnover in a game, you do this, whatever it is. You know, I'm not saying not to do that, but in my eyes there's no reason to to look at, you know, Jordan Brown or uh Seth Porter, those guys that had those muffs in the game, those crucial muffs that gave the ball back to Mississippi State and straight up bench them or or go after them in the post-game press conference because it's not going to change the play. Help. What happened, happened. It's on the field. You handle it in practice. You you work on getting better with them, and you serve whatever, quote-unquote, punishment you have for them.
0: It's, it's a different approach. If you watch that post-game speech that he has in the locker room, guys who made mistakes, we need you. Okay? So what he's done here is he's not hovering over his players. He's empowered his players to be responsible for their own actions. And they are for the most part. Players know when they screwed up. If a player doesn't feel the weight of a mistake of that magnitude, I would imagine he's not going to be on the field. If he just, uh, yeah, I did did that, who cares, I'll probably do it again. He won't see the field. But those guys legitimately knew the magnitude of what they did and they didn't want to do it again and they're going to work to correct it. Comes in. Coach Kleiman comes in Tuesday's press conference and talks about they're working on catching punts. It's not like he ignores the problem. He just addresses it in a different way. And and some of you who think there's only one way to win football games at K-State might need to adjust your thinking.
3: From Adam K 63 how tough is it to realize it's just one game but know that this is such an improvement? That's
0: the key. Well, I've got my ring of (laughs) Jostens being made right now. It's it's a really nice ring. It I says did. three and O bitches, right eye on it. I did book my flight
2: to to New Orleans. That's good. It's That's good. super dumb.
0: Because you can still go even if K State's not in the game. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's it is one game. And and Coach Kleiman's been clear about that. You know, you listen to him on Tuesday and he's like, Well, we just we've got a lot of improvement to make and we know that. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of problems here. We gotta we gotta get better. He's well aware that they got off the hook by by persisting, but they gave the opponent 24 points, set up 24 points. not like they threw pick sixes, but they set up the opportunity for those. All 24 of those points came off of mistakes. So he, he's aware, and we're all aware. But it does leave me just with this lingering thought, how good are they when they don't make mistakes? How good are they when they... They play a clean game like they did in the first two. Granted, lesser competition, less pressure, less you know adversity being forced upon you by the opponent. But what can they do if they start playing clean football in big games? They go to Oklahoma State. They don't turn the ball over. They have two penalties. They get off the field on. They get the defense gets Oklahoma State off the field on third down at a high rate like they're doing, and they convert their own third downs at a better rate than they did in Mississippi State. They'll win that game with three touchdowns if they do that. I believe that. I truly do. That's the upside of this team that we're seeing. But it can all go south. They got to keep working.
2: If that muff punt hadn't happened there, I believe K State goes up 17 to nothing. And I believe Mississippi State quits
0: and i think they go i think they open up the second half get a score and then when k-state scores again they quit y-
2: yeah, yeah i mean at some point they they're quit. on the road to quitting k-state wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a tight game with four minutes to play um and so I, I think that that i think you can't go about ignoring that as a fan what do you need to do yes you need to realize you need to understand that this is a different team you you can't look at it and say that, oh, well, maybe if Coach Schneider had been here this year, we'd also still be 3-0 with these performances. It, it probably would not be that way. I'm just going to say it. it. It's a lot different, and you need to acknowledge that. Yes, absolutely. You need to look ahead with optimism because it is different. But you need to pump the brakes. They are number 25 in the country. They are number, They are 3-0, and, and they are heading into a really big showdown that could— kick off a hell of a run here if they go and win in Stillwater that's gonna do a lot that's gonna do equally that's gonna be equally important if not more important than winning at Mississippi State I, I a mean conference game. that would be huge so you just got to kind of approach that one but hey they're not they're not Oklahoma yet all right so you got to find that line and I think that they're on their way to doing something really special, though. And, and I think you should have every right to be excited right now.
0: I, I'm not going to tell you not to go on an emotional roller coaster about Kansas State football. Because that's part of the joy of being a fan. But I'm going to say this. Even when they dip, don't go for, so far down like, ah, oh, it was all an illusion. This team still could go 6-6 six and six this season. They, they could. I don't see that. But just go along for the ride. It's the first season. See what happens. Maybe they go ten and two. Maybe they go six and six. But understand this, even if it's not tangible wins as the season progresses, you can probably see the progress being made and the culture being put in place. I think they've readjusted their season into a, you know, potentially eight win season. Is this team good enough to go five and four in the Big Twelve? Ask yourself that. Yeah, they, they probably are. There's a lot of winnable games on the schedule now. A lot of games. There's a lot of games that were always in question. And now I, I, they're very winnable. You know, that some of those games no longer are 50-50 or 40-60. They're 60-40 or seven, 70-30 for me. I, I think they're, they kind of moved ahead of the pack in the middle. And by God, Iowa State sure as hell fell back into the middle of the pack. Just go along for the ride, enjoy the ride, and when they win, man, have fun with it. It's fun. The brand of football is fun.
2: And when they lose, don't g- don't grab the life
3: preservers and jump off the ship. Unless it's Kansas. Yeah, then you have every. Yeah, then they get mad. From Watacat, are there people out there still questioning the hire of Chris Kleiman?
0: Yes. Jay Heidrich, um I just used his name, but I think most people know He's on that, Twitter. That yeah, Jay is on the message board. And he made a great point. It's amazing to him that the same people who made the snap judgment that this was a bad hire and they had to take him out, they had to get rid of him, often are still the same people who had all the information they needed to say it was a bad hire. Now, after three victories, including winning at Mississippi State, we need more information. This doesn't make sense. How is that logical? You get more. You literally have more information. It just doesn't reinforce your thoughts on him. Those people are shrinking in numbers. A lot of people are admitting their mistakes, um, and that's good. I mean, I try not to make snap judgments, good or bad. I try to get a wealth of background before I make a judgment, and now you're beginning to get some information, and you're still like, I don't have enough information to know that he, he doesn't stink.
2: And I don't think that just because he won at Mississippi State suddenly means it was an amazingly great hire and it's amazing for the future. You know, I guess I'm trying to word my sentence very carefully here because I think he is the right hire, but, you know, it's three games. You shouldn't necessarily think that he's already the greatest coach in K State history or anything like that. I think you have the right to be reserved on that, but to say, oh, we just don't have enough information to to judge if he's a good fit.
0: I Fans are fans. I mean, they are. If you go out into the Twitterverse, good luck. Uh, but if you go out there, you're going to find Auburn fans saying, well, after we fire Gus Melzom, let's go hire that Chris Kleiman. He looks really good. You know, you're, you're you can see his name popping up for other jobs already. He's three games in. Three games ago, what are they doing hiring that FCS coach? I'll tell you this. If Chris Kleiman works out and, and K-State wins nine games this season, this hypothetically speaking, there's going to be a lot of ADs out there that feel a lot less pressure if they truly believe in an FCS coach to give it a shot and then go to the press conference and say, football is football.
3: From Wildcat Wabash, if K-State continues on this upward trajectory over the next few seasons, what university would you be most nervous to try and steal climbing away from us?
0: Wow! <laughs> what timing!
3: He's, yeah. He guesses that it would come from the Big Ten. Yeah, All I right. would agree.
2: Uh, One. But can I say this? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Cool. Oh. Uh, if it's a Big Ten team, I think that there's like – Two Big Ten teams that he would leave K State for, and that'd be like Michigan and Ohio State. Like, well, how many Big Ten teams out there are truly a better football job than Kansas State?
0: Yeah, Penn State, maybe. Yeah.
2: Okay, I forgot about Penn State. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Oh, if he left for Wisconsin, I'd,
0: I'd. But you can look at Wisconsin. I I understand your instinct to say that because it was mine. But then you look at their struggles in hiring coaches. They can't get people to stay there. True. So, so something it's always going to be second fiddle to basketball. Well, and plus it's Barry Alvarez still hanging around and tormenting people.
2: Look, there's not if you're asking us to say what's the dream job that Coach Kleiman would leave for? What is his West Virginia for Bob Huggins? I don't think it's out there. He I don't to, think he, he went has. to Northern
0: Iowa. Yeah, it's and it's not Iowa or Iowa State and. I mean, I think I don't want to say this is his dream job, but I think as, as we speak right now, and probably within the next five years, Chris Kleiman has no intention of leaving K State. And as long as Gene Taylor's AD, if he's if he's at a level where an Ohio State or uh, let me pull out a team Florida, who else? Uh, Florida State. If one of those programs comes after him and is willing to pay him a large amount of money, I think fans and Gene Taylor will do their best to keep him. I mean, if he's really. I mean, I, look, I don't see he's going to pull up uh, Gene Chiswick. And was that his name? The one that I, was, I was. That was I was staying for right. one year? Yeah. Boy, how far he fell out of my brain. I was like, what? Yeah, I mean, he had a great season at Iowa State, jumped right to Auburn, and then did okay and then fizzled. I don't, he's not going to – He's. that's not his style. This was his big break, and he appreciates it. He knows it. And how many times has he said Fargo and Manhattan are so much alike? So is he going to go to some market where it's not like that? You got to be in your comfort zone. Like, I, we can't
2: tell you that Chris Kleiman's never going to leave for another job. No. We can't tell you that. But what I can tell you is that he—that I don't believe there's a job out there that if he got a call tomorrow, he'd leave for. I think it would have to be, you know, more money, a better situation. The Green Bay Packers? All that kind of—yeah, well, it could be the Green Bay Packers.
0: And if this floor doesn't work out. The, and the really good news is I see future head coaches on the staff. Yeah. Colin Klein still, Connor Riley, Scotty Hazelton. Although that would be very entertaining. I think we, I
2: think we could see Connor Riley go somewhere in the next two years. My God, yeah. Can the K State offensive
0: line just like chill a little bit? Yeah. Maybe, maybe underperform. That's the one I'm worried about. If you're worried about losing coaches, I'm worried about someone coming at Connor Riley and throwing an obnoxious amount of money, because that's where K State can, can do battle for a head coach. Some of these institutions now are paying, you know, $1.5 million for coordinators or a million plus for a position coach. That's getting in the neighborhood where K-State can't mess with that. So the, the peeling off the staff is a bigger concern than losing the head guy. That's where Snyder ran into problem. People started to peel off his staff. I mean, look at that original staff. You had two stoops, a it I mean, they just started taking away people. A uh, uh, Mangino was a grad assistant. On that original staff and then moved up, this started plucking guys away, venables and on and on. And he kept replacing with guys he knew were comfortable with and it just kinda slowly stair stepped down. So that that's my bigger concern is that the staff gets rated, not the head coach.
3: Last question of the podcast from KSU number one. If we stay on this trajectory this year, should Gene Taylor look at extending uh, Coach Kleiman after this season you gotta be really careful with this. I think
2: I think it'd be warranted to give him a contract extension if you know he won eight games in a bowl game, but do you, like what I guess this is just coaching in general, not just k State. At what point do you stop and just say? Thank you for fulfilling the job requirement. Like, I guess that's just a bigger problem I have with sports in general, whether it's a quarterback, whether it's a coach. You sign a contract to do a job and do it very well. Why should you continue to get extensions and bonuses and things like that when you are kind of – I mean, if he wins eight games, that's phenomenal for K-State. Amazing job in your first year. But you didn't win the Big 12. You didn't win the national championship. You got your necessary bonuses that are in the contract. Thank you. If you continue to stay on this trajectory, we will right. extend you when the time comes.
0: Hey, right. g- good job doing your job. Here's more money for the job we already paid you to do. It doesn't make sense to me until you have a bigger body of work to say, hey, okay, now we're going to help you. You know, when they signed the contract with him, there's a lot of people like you could have paid him a lot less and gotten him. And I agreed with them. You could have paid him a lot less and still gotten him to Manhattan. So I already feel like you've rewarded the level of play that you might see from this program. But I was also an advocate of having a contract that said, "Okay, here's your base salary and you get $100,000 added for every win. And then that will be your base salary for season two, three and four. So if he wins 10 games, maybe you add a million dollars to that salary and he goes from 2.2 to 3.2. I was a fan of that. It didn't happen that way. This isn't a contract that Chris Kleinman was forced to sign. His agent looked at it, looked good, boom. Go, I just Bruce Webered. Uh, just uh, go ahead and go into the second season. If we see added progress in the third season, okay, here we go. I would say if they're kicking butt in the middle of the third season and they've won, you know, eight, nine games the first two years and they're off to a 4-0, 5-0 start, you don't normally give a contract extension in the middle of the year, but you sure do call the agent and say, let's get this started. But it goes back to the last question about teams peeling them off.
3: Yeah. If if your market value is higher than yeah. what you're being paid, you're
2: gone. Yeah, no. You have to compete. But they they would get the opportunity. And I'm not saying that, like, if he won nine games this year, and let's just continue to use Auburn for the example, and Auburn came up, called him and offered him a job, that if Kleiman went to Gene Taylor and was like, hey, I got an offer on the table from Auburn, what can you do? That that Gene Taylor should
0: just say, all right, see ya. Like, no, that's not what I mean. And there's a fine balance in here. You don't want to, be reaction- to just react to other offers. But that's why... So many coaches play the game of I've got an offer here and offer yeah. there because it shows market value. Instead of just guessing market value, hey, good job. You're probably worth three point five million dollars. And the other ADs are going, No, no, he's not, no, we're not gonna pay that for him.
2: I'm just saying that like and this goes for, for Chris Kleiman, Bruce Weber, Jeff Mitty, When you're when you're average Zach Carlson. Yeah, him too. When you're average, when you're doing the minimum requirements of the contract and then or or maybe going a little bit extra, that's good. And if you continue to stay at the top, yes. But, like, you shouldn't continue to get an extension every single year just because you did fine. And I I feel like an eight-win season in his first
0: year, I don't think he should get a contract extension. There's a reason why it's a five-year contract. I mean, if you're getting two-year contracts, okay. You get a. Renegotiate, but the contract in itself levels up every year. You get a little raise. Just be appreciative of that. Most of us don't have that. <laughs> don't say anything, guys. <laughs> Sit that one out. And that's it for this week's first questions podcast. You gave us so many great questions. We split them in half. We're doing two. You're going to get a second. Questions Podcast on Thursday. This was the first one. For those of you who are having problems tracking and finding all the podcasts, this is really going to confuse you. But you can just go, if you're on a desktop screen, just go to the podcast link right there across the menu bar. Click that. Every podcast is right there. If you're not, go to the message boards, and there's a PowerCat podcast message board where every podcast is posted when we post it on the front page. Or just sign up on Apple Podcasts, sign up on Stitcher, sign up on Spotify, find us on Google Podcasts, find a service you like and subscribe to it and it'll be downloaded right to your device. It's like magic. It's the Powercat Podcast. You've been listening to the Cat Questions
1: Podcast presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.